0: Welcome to Millennium Live, a Digital Diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation.
1: If you're hoping to learn more about data protection while attempting to navigate the craziness of the remote workplace, then this Millennium Live episode is one not to miss. Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Product at Code42, Rob Junker, can appreciate the amount of innovation that has taken place over the last six months. Code42 has demonstrated a strong ability to create constant collaboration in the new digital workplace. And as a team leader who enjoys the energy of the office, Rob's role has certainly endured some transformation.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, Rob.
1: Thanks, Katie. I appreciate it.
0: Can you just tell us a little bit about you and your role as well as Code42?
1: You bet. So I'm Rob Junker. I'm Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Product here at Code42. So I'm responsible for the product management, the engineering, as well as the product delivery aspects of our cloud operations for our cloud-based solution. And really at Code42, we're really focused on making sure businesses, both IT as well as security teams, aren't surprised by data leak loss or theft that results from insiders who might, whether it be purposefully or accidentally, exposing some of their information and intellectual property out to others.
0: So as CTO and SVP of product, how can you describe the impact of 2020 so far? I'm sure it's been quite crazy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I don't know if is a fair description <laughs> of it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it, first of all, it's, it's a year that we'd all sooner forget than relive, if you will. Um, you know, I think for many years to come, we're all going to be able to joke around. And when someone asks, how's your day going? You can respond, it's like 2020. And I've got a funny feeling that that's going to be a, a, a comeback we can use for many years to come, right? <laughs> um, but I'm also encouraged by the fact that, you know, typically our darkest days are often followed by our finest hours. And as we think about 2020 right now, what I have noticed is the impact has really for those organizations Organizations that can harness the power of 2020 is turning it into a massive year of innovation, right? There's just been so much rapid change in such a short period of time. And we've seen this both in business as well as in our personal lives, too, right? We saw mm-hmm. restaurants that all of a sudden went to takeout models, right, to be able to sustain. We saw churches that took from a congregation to parking lots and online to make that happen obviously businesses sent everyone home and if there's one thing we've learned is this year it's separate but together if you will is what pulls those two together because you think about all of these impacts the way in which we've got remote workers the way in which we're buying products and trialing products via zoom right now it's one of those things that that there's so many impacts that that's really hit 2020 it's it's amazing to think back and think about the pure innovation that's actually happened in just the last couple of months
0: Right. You mentioned the remote workers. How would you say that companies have dealt with the shift to 100% remote working?
1: Well, great question. First of all, I'm happy to say that we're past that panic stage because most businesses ended up sending their people home just in a matter of hours or days without a lot of planning that went around to it. And as we started kind of dealing with that, it forced us to think a little bit differently about the problems that we have to solve in our business. How do we span space and time? Because we're so used to being having a meeting or all of a sudden walking over to a colleague's desk and drop in on them and ask them a question. And what ended up happening was this massive digital transformation. People started running towards collaboration and creating a collaboration culture, even though there was no physical collaboration and it kind of changed our entire mindset. In the way in which we work, the way we think, and we kind of deal with that, that forced a lot of change, though, into the way in which we work. All of a sudden, if you will, the collaboration didn't happen with centralized collaboration. It pushed all the collaboration to the edge, right, where literally everyone went from kind of the work from home situation to work from remote, and it meant that all of us had to deal with home networks, deal with distractions, deal with challenges in the way in which we focused, which which required us all to think differently about you know every aspect of of working from home, the tools we operate in, the networks that we interface with, the way in which we secure that information all had to come into into question and be redone.
0: Absolutely, so would you say there's something that surprised you the most about this?
1: Well, what's interesting about Code42 is I actually felt surprisingly prepared for this. At Code42, we use a bunch of different both security techniques as well as uh, development models that put us kind of almost, in, if you will, in the lead here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we are DevSecOps, which the whole notion is, is that you know we, we look for fast feedback in our process. We do our builds very quickly. But at the same time, we embrace security as part of that culture, which meant that we had the tools in place for collaboration to happen, but we also had the tools in place for security to be able to manage all of those changes that we were going through. I was surprised by the number of organizations that weren't necessarily ready for a more remote workforce. And those organizations had to go through some just incredible change and transformation and the way in which they managed their systems, their networks, to allow remote workers to gain access to the information that they needed, um, but also secure those remote workers because suddenly, you know, it wasn't just your machine that you had to worry about and your network that you had to worry about. You had to to worry about your kids' laptops that were running alongside of a work laptop, and you had to worry about everybody's home internet, which was one Wi-Fi password away for someone else sneaking into what your corporate network was. And that collaboration culture tied to that meant that there was so much data buzzing all around the place in, in often chaotic ways. It really forced people to think a lot more about, you know, how do you manage that infrastructure? How do you manage those network implications that come from it, too?
0: And going off of the infrastructure and network implications, how much planning goes into that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, there's a lot of planning that should go into it, but the way in which kind of everything manifested itself, it, it was a lot, of, um, a lot of things that had to happen all at once, right? So in a lot of cases, you know, many of us are using IP-based phones for these conversations or we're using, you know, web tools for us to be able to even have this video conference that you and I are doing right now. Um, and being able to record things like that are, are kind of high bandwidth, intense technologies. And many of our businesses were relying upon, you know, thinner, VPN tunnels, which changed the way in which the network had bandwidth to support all these end users. Um, And it was funny because people's natural reaction was, well, okay, let's use some of their home internet to reroute some of that traffic. But in the same approach, it opened up that traffic going over non-corporate secured mechanisms to get to the corporation itself or to some of the data that, that might be sitting behind it. And it caused a lot of pressure around it. In general, you like to prepare for these things. And I'll tell you, COVID-42, we got lucky. Um, We're we're more Minneapolis-based, right? What I like to call the Silicon Tundra um, of the Midwest. And uh, we had the pleasure of actually having the Super Bowl come to town about two years ago. And in doing so, we had to actually practice a work-from-home kind of policy for our users. So we've already gone through that stage and we learned some lessons um, at that point that we were able to apply practically later. But for everybody else who kind of had to deal with these implications and had to deal with these changes, the most important thing you could do is actually embrace some of the common standards um, or the common compliance capabilities that were out there on the market to take advantage of it. You know, in IT, you know, you had to figure out how to get your help desk to be more targeted for phone calls and web sharing and things along those lines. But for security, it meant that you had to adopt more of a zero trust model, right? Don't, make, don't think that everything is secure anymore because you were dropping your machines into an uncontrolled environment. People had to manage it differently. Um, so there was a lot of excitement a lot of challenge for the security people that that happened. We found rapid changes in people's firewalls. We we found that, you know, people were went from slightly evaluating cloud collaboration provider to dropping all of their files up on the web, right, and, and in the cloud for sharing of their users. We saw people, you know, all of a sudden go from email with thick clients to web-based clients. But, you know, I would tell you that that a lot of the planning that went in, it was very much a, um, a consortium of, of colleagues that were focused at pinging like groups of people online to figure out what tools were in place and how did they, they adopt those tools. And believe it or not, it, it went incredibly well all things considered.
0: You kind of mentioned this collaboration and of course securing the company's data. So would you say that there was a balance or a little bit of a trade-off there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe one step further, let, let me just give you a clear example of, of why the collaboration culture was needed. You know, when let's say you and I were collaborating on a document together, and we were in an office together, literally, I could walk over to your desk, sit down next to you, and you and I could be typing and editing a, a, a slide deck, right? Um, and have free flow data going back and forth, right? But as soon as we went work from remote, a lot of the practices we all had for collaborating went away, right? You and I probably, if we were collaborating on a deck, you would have created, you know, Katie version one, I would have had Rob version two, you would have Katie version three, and we we've seen the file get up to almost like V15, right, right. by the time it's done. <laughs> Well, when we're working remote, it creates this natural break in the collaboration where you would have to work on it, then you'd have to send it to me, and I couldn't work on it until you, you gave it to me, and it mm-hmm. created a lot of inefficiencies, and that's the productivity that CEOs and boards nowadays are trying to make sure that, that we can collaborate fast, and in a work from remote environment, we don't have these natural blocks that cause us to stop working at that point. And that's where this collaboration came together. It, 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 it removed the concept of you owning a file and me owning a file, and it brought together the concept of us sharing a file. Um, And from an insider risk perspective, that also opened up a new problem in the marketplace because in sharing a file, we both had mutual access, which means I could then share it again. I could then, you know, make changes to it. And and even if I wanted to take it somewhere else, and and it was a big challenge in that collaboration culture for people to deal with some of the the changes that, that were afforded to us at that point. But when we talk about collaboration, that's really what we're talking about, is breaking down that boundary of just ownership and introducing a concept. of sharing and constant collaboration within documents, within proposals, within Excel spreadsheets, within slide decks, or even the strategies that we have within our business and code, source code that we have um, for these technology groups to be able to deliver intellectual property as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So kind of going off of that, talking about the future, since many people probably want to continue working remote and We're not really sure what the next few months holds. What do you see as the future of security?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple key things that we all have to realize is that everyone in that, that trade-off um, for giving them more freedom without necessarily blocking a lot of the, the things that they need to be able to do their jobs, it means that we've got to be focused on insider threat and we've got to be worried about files that are moving around that are outside of our control, right? Um, you know, today as we begin thinking about security just in anybody's environment, we know that 73% of data breaches go undetected for months, if not years. And when you think about a remote environment, that's way too long right we've got to speed the time to detection but we also need to make sure that we're taking care of our businesses better than we might have had in the past right and with that um, we always talk here at code 42 about the three t's that are important as it relates to securing your environment the first t is transparency Um, making sure that your users understand the data that you're collecting the information that that we're paying attention to, um, so there's awareness on their part where it doesn't feel like you're stepping on their privacy um, because in many of these cases, all of these tools are designed to um, really keep your data private, not invade someone's privacy that sits behind it. The second T we talk about is training. Um, A lot of these users don't realize all of us make mistakes, right? Um, And in a lot of cases, we've got to accept that to err as human. Um, And in that kind of training world, we have a responsibility to our users to make sure that they understand what is acceptable use policies, how to make sure they stay within the boundaries of those acceptable use policies policies and they stay free from making the mistakes that actually put data at risk right um, And again, if you and I are sharing files back and forth and you're outside of my organization, a lot of the tools if we're sharing a big file will say hey would you like to share this file with you as opposed to sending you the file?" And when you click yes you're actually opening up a public link to that file right so there's a lot of things around training that people need to be aware of um, to make sure that you know people as we stay remote um, are doing the right things so that they're not putting data at risk. And then finally implement the technologies that we all have. And I'm talking about the entire cadre of technologies necessary for us to be able to work remote, right? The collaboration tools, whether it be the communication tools that we have, um, whether it be the security practices that we all need to implement. And likewise, making sure that we have the security tool sets that keep our users safe, as well as our business intellectual property safe too. Because in this rush of innovation that we talked about earlier this year, all of our businesses are quickly transforming ourselves and we're headed down new strategic directions. And with that, we need to make sure that we safeguard that intellectual property that's driving those strategic change and the pathway that we've got forward for our business as well.
0: Obviously, a lot has changed throughout this entire year, and we've been speaking about that. Would you say that your role as CTO has changed at all since March?
1: Absolutely. Um, Luckily for me, as I said before, we were relatively prepared. So I would tell you a lot of practices and processes that we had in place were already are still the best practices we could have used going forward. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm an incredibly extroverted CTO, right? I love kind of being able to walk around an office, ask a couple people questions about how projects are going, and I would get my information that way obviously that's gone, right? So now mm-hmm. I've had to find new ways to get my status updates, making sure that people are are plugged in, doing the right things, if you will. And it also has required me to work with other executives in my organization to get the right outcome. Uh, JD Hanson, who's our CISO here at at Code42, she has this huge belief that security is a business enabler as opposed to something that can lock down a business. And the power of us two collaborating has really enabled us to kind of continue the pace that we had in the office at home while removing a lot of the, the stressors, if you will, from securing data, but also removing the boundaries. That would naturally come from us having to lock down devices remotely. I, I love the fact that she always refers to um, security at the speed of DevOps, right? Where it's such a partner with us. In fact, we even have the product application lifecycle security team, which is abbreviated PALS, right, in our organization. Um, and literally, our teams here have embraced security as part of the culture, which is just amazing to have. But tried and true, you know, many of the metrics still are the same metrics that we look for here in a business to say that our business is healthy, that we're delivering product. And, and that remains unchanged. But the thing that really does change right now is the rate of change. And we've got to accept the fact that innovation has to happen at the speed we need it to, not necessarily at the speed that we're comfortable with. And that pushes all of us to think a lot differently about the future, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of the future, how would you say that companies should prepare for 2021? Or if there's another pandemic coming up? <laughs>
1: Well, first, let's start off with that we all should pray at this point that COVID-19 <laughs> is is just limited to COVID-19 and we don't see a COVID-2020, right? Um, right? Yeah. So I know, exactly. I think we all are, are just hopeful on that one at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, what's interesting is that I'm, I'm a huge history buff too. And I will tell you that history has a tendency to repeat itself, but history also has a tendency to learn from itself too. And in this pandemic, we've learned a lot of things that society will not soon forget. That is without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so first of all, if we all end up going back to the office, I hope we all continue to practice some of these work from home days, just to make sure that we don't lose sight of the muscles that we've learned at this point to use, and we don't want to see that work from remote muscles atrophy, if you will, um, as we go further uh, back to the office. You know, I think the the lesson that that 20. 20 so far has taught us is that even when we're six feet apart we need to be closer together and despite social distancing business togetherness is the counter argument for that where we've had to find new ways to collaborate we've had to find new ways to share information we've had new what find to find ways to secure data and all of those come together making you kind of appreciate that you know, distance means so little when life means so much. And, you know, going forward, it's important that we, we make sure we practice the security drills, that we put the security pe- best practices in place um, in a way that doesn't restrict our users, but builds rather our business and, and innovation.
0: So my last question for you, for your fellow executives and security practitioners, do you have any last words of wisdom?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I keep seeing all these webinars I get invited to right now where it's like the new normal, the the new crazy right mm-hmm. And and I, I one of the things just to share with you is I think that this is just what it is and what it will be at this point. Right. And in a lot of cases we feared all of the changes that came from all of the news that we've had to face this year. But I encourage all of the executives right now to, to start thinking about what is the easy button for the way forward as opposed to fear of the past, right? The fear of the past is something that, that is candidly a worthless emotion because there's nothing we can do to change it. But as I think kind of about the future right now, you know, I, I would encourage people first and foremost you know, to find that, that balance of productivity, right? User freedom versus the need to secure information, right? I'd encourage people to find the right speed to operate their business. At. And by the way, that speed should always be increasing. We always should be getting better. And don't be afraid of speed. Um, And candidly, sometimes it's going to break down, but that's okay, right? Because typically people get back up on their feet faster than they can. And the last thing just to share with you is as I think about it and as I think about my team, I, I care a great deal about every one of my employees. And as we think about 2020, the last thing that I think is important is that we all find a balance, right? And that balance is not just from a perspective of you know how hard we're working. It's making sure that we're all taking care of ourselves, right? Making sure that, that especially in this world where we're cooped up, or maybe having to you know deal with family that's around us nonstop, or interruptions, or things along those lines, we just give, allow ourselves to give ourselves grace, right? Appreciate kind of the world that we're all operating in. Find those easy solutions as we go forward here, and. You know i, I think that 's what I love about code forty two is that the the culture at code forty two not only allows us to have a great office environment, great fellow colleagues, great employees, um, it allows us to have a great product that emphasizes a lot of those core values that we have here at code forty two for our customers too and you know, that balance is, is, is just absolutely critical. And the last thing, which just as we, as we wrap up here is, is make sure that you find health. And I hope everyone out there stays healthy and makes choices that keeps everybody healthy around them as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here, Rob. This was a great interview. And hopefully one day we'll see you in person.
1: Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Katie. Looking forward to it too. Thanks for
0: listening. And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes exclusively on Digital Diary.